You've been injured and need to get to the nearest hospital as quickly as possible. You rush to your car. You finally locate what you believe to be the local hospital and drive up to the entrance. Dazed, losing blood, you park your car and you look up and look at the bold letters that say, enter here for emergency assistance. Yes, here is where I need to be. Someone will help me. You enter in and you barely make it through the front door. You crawl over to the front desk. You rush towards the nurse's station and you begin to share. I'm hurt. I'm bleeding. I need a doctor, please. The nurse replies to you, but in a foreign language that you don't understand. You persist to ask her to get some help. You see, I'm dying here. To which she continues to reply to you in a language you have no clue. In agitation, you move down to another station, hoping that someone there will be able to get you the help you need. Please, please get a doctor. I'm dying here. I'm bleeding all over the place. Someone please help me. This person then replies to you yet again in another foreign language. This isn't helping at all. The pain is almost unbearable at this point, and the bleeding is getting much worse. Getting more and more angry, anxious, you yell out, This is a hospital for goodness sake. Somebody please help me. There appears to be no one at the desk who is moved by your agitation. You desperately turn around and see a man sitting in the waiting area. You think perhaps he can help you. Please, sir, please. I need your help as you approach him. You touch his leg, blood all over your hands, and you're asking and pleading for him to do something. To which this man turns around. He sees all the blood all over you and on himself. And he begins to scream, no, no, no. And also begins to talk in a foreign language. He gets up from his seat and begins to swing. <laughs> you're taken aback and you're frightened. You don't know what just happened. You're the one bleeding all over the place. You jump back quickly. And as he approaches, you head back towards the double doors you originally entered in. You run outside, you make it to the sidewalk, and you basically collapse to the ground. Breathing heavily, you don't know what to do at this point. Confused and in a daze, almost unconscious, you turn to look at the sign in front of the entrance that said, enter here for emergency assistance. You were right. It did say come here for help. But when you entered, you completely felt misunderstood and like you couldn't get what you needed. Then you noticed, almost as if it just came out of nowhere, a small sign below the large sign you originally saw that said emergency utility assistance for foreign residents. <laughs> How in the world could you have missed this important information as you sit bleeding on the sidewalk, not in front of a hospital, mind you, but someplace completely unable to assist you in your life and death situation. Now, listen, believe it or not, this is what happens in many of our communications with the people we're in relationships with. We feel like we're trying to communicate with someone who speaks an entirely different language, completely missing or misunderstanding the signs, which leads us to feeling ourselves or even our relationships dying. Well, this doesn't have to be the case, y'all. We will discuss this today and trust me, so much more at The Well. Welcome back to At The Well. I'm your host, Tammy Conway, and I'm joined again today with my husband, Stephen. Say hello, Stephen. Hello. <laughs> and today we are back with another topic um, continuing in the direction of relationships. Everybody, everybody deals with relationships of some kind. We've been talking about our 
marriage, pre-marriage and post-marriage and some of the things that we have experienced, the things that we've learned, the things that we failed at and the things that we've been successful at and the things that we're continuing to learn. One of the greatest things that we found about successful relationship is the necessity for communication, right, Stephen? Yes, communication is is critical. It's a fundamental, a foundational uh, element to to any healthy relationship mm-hmm. and especially to, to, to the marriage relationship. Absolutely, but if we all will be truthful, for many of us, communication wasn't something that we were taught. Or let me say this, maybe we were taught, but it was a dysfunctional type of communication. Would that be a accurate thing to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a host of things that a child would hear growing up in in a home. Mm. You're stupid. Mm. You're ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, shut up. Uh, stop talking before I do X, Y, and Z to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are just those are just a few that are that are negative, or they they come across as negative, and they're kind of even hurtful to hear a person speak them. But what about you know God won't like if you do that. Mm. You know God is not going to. God is not going to be pleased with you if you do that, which at first, the first time you hear it, you may think, well, that's that's not a negative thing. But it's actually uh, it can be manipulative mm. and it paints God in a negative mm-hmm. aspect as though God is only interested in me if I'm doing something that is mm-hmm. uh, that he desires for me to do. So so you made a key point. Uh, a lot of these things are unintentional. Yeah. But the impact is nonetheless powerful even if they were unintended. Interesting, too, to think back at what you originally talked about. Some of the communication that we hear as children towards us or about us, but we also see communication happening between, or the lack thereof, between people in our homes who have relationship. You know, our mothers and our fathers, right? Right. And those people set a pattern for us as to how to communicate, um, we see things sometimes where we see fighting, yes, arguing, name calling, yelling. Some people see physical altercation, but I often think that we also see things such as no communication at all, which mm-hmm. can also be dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. There, you know, there's one of the one of the key things is that um, we are uh, we are interpreters. Mm. We the, the tendency is to believe that when I've told someone something, that they will take what I say over and above what they're watching me do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just not the truth. The truth is that because God has designed us to be interpreters, we not only hear what a person says, but we watch what a person does. And then we make an interpretation on the truth of what a person has said based on what we see them doing. Um, and an interpretation is a powerful thing that I, I believe a lot of us, we just don't, we don't understand this reality. For instance, uh, a husband and wife may be getting ready to go through a divorce and they sit their child or children down and they say, listen, mommy and daddy love you. We love you very much. And, and this is not really, it doesn't have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. We just want you to know that you know, we, we, we love you. And, and then you go on to explain to the child what's getting ready to take place. And even though you may have told that child over and over again, we love you, we love you, we love you. But now the child 
is going to can't live in two places at the same time. The child is going to be spending the majority of the time with one of the parents. Mm -hmm. And so if the child is eight, nine, ten years old, how do they interpret that? That communication. Yeah, you told me you love me, but I don't get to see mommy every day anymore. So mommy must not love me. Or you told me you love me, but daddy, you know, I only get to go see daddy, um, you know, for weekends weekends or a couple of weeks during the summertime and so forth and so on. So it's not, it's not, it's more than, let me say that, it's more than the things that we say. Mm -hmm. It's how those things are interpreted. And as children, children are fascinating interpreters. Yeah. And it's, you and I have always talked about this, the, the, the miracle even of the ability to be able to communicate. Children cannot verbalize in terms of using language, but they are constantly watching, yeah. listening. They can interpret facial expressions and, and voice tone before they even know how to speak. Man, I remember some years ago when we were brought face to face with that. Um, we were, and we probably talked about this, or maybe we didn't um, in a couple of the previous episodes regarding um, this thing we were doing. Uh, some people have probably heard of this thing um, by Ron and Nancy Rocky um, called, uh, it's not The Journey, is it? What is it? Well, it used um, to be called Binding the Wounds. Binding the Wounds. But now it is called The Journey. Oh, The Journey, okay. And I remember listening to that, and one of the things that they brought out was that in the womb, before the child is born, it can hear and it can sense, right? Environment. Mm -hmm. And so when mommy is sad or upset, you know, or angry or frustrated or any of those things, the baby can feel those things. The baby understands those things. And babies can also feel rejection, you know, in the womb. And that um, that stuff is so deep that a, that a baby can even abort itself if it senses that the environment that it's getting ready to come into is not safe. That blew my mind. It blew my mind because we underestimate the beauty that God put within us as human beings to be able to give birth to another human being. And we generally think that that life starts when the baby comes out, right? But that starts way before. It starts way before. And so I think that if many of us would begin to understand that, we would definitely rethink some of the things, right, that we are saying to one another, some of the things that we are doing, some of the things that we are involved in when we're carrying another human being. Yeah. So, so what I hear you saying is that even before the baby is out in the physical world, there are there's a host of things that are being communicated to that child in utero. Yes. While they're still in their mother's womb, there are... Um, certain emotions, whether yeah. that child is desired and wanted and mm. loved. And those things are being uh, non-verbally communicated. So that, those are some profound, uh, some profound concepts. The fact that we are, we are interpreters mm -hmm. and um, which, which means that we're not listening for what a person says, but so much as we are trying to interpret and figure out meaning behind the things that a person says. And this is another Another thing that we um, we like to bring up when we're discussing the topic of communication, mm -hmm. and that's filters. Oh yeah. Because um, the the filters that's the way that we process what we hear. Yeah. And so, again, because we're interpreters, the filters that are the the means or the mechanism by which we are uh, processing the things that people say to us, and people are processing the things that we we say to them. And I think. This is powerful because 
um, we I think we may have mentioned this before when we uh, alluded to self-talk. Mm-hmm. So a lot of couples go through this and not just couples, but families, people friends, period, yeah. people, period. Right. So we're having a conversation and Tamara says something to me and you say something to me. And then I begin to talk to myself mm. about the meaning of what you have said to me or why it is that you <laughs> said it. So we will we'll be uh, having a conversation. Hey, where do you want to go to eat? And I'm like, oh, wherever you want to go, babe, it's all good. And I'm like, yo, lying. <laughs> Last time you said that, and I chose Taco Bell, and you shut me down. And you said, why did I want to go eat at some nasty Taco Bell? And but I'm not having this conversation out loud as much as this is something in that's going on mind. in my mind. Yeah. And so a lot of us get we get caught up listening to self-talk. And if I'm listening to myself then I'm not listening to the yes. other person. Yeah. And um, uh, what drives self-talk? And I, uh, back to what we just mentioned, it's the filters. Mm. So there are things that I already believe about myself. Already that have brought into right. the relationship. And the, those things um, are the filters through which I receive everything. Yeah. I, I share this when we've done seminars and whatnot. I remember when I, I might have been five or six years old. And I was over uh, my aunt's house and there was a little girl, you know, who I was, you know, I thought she was just the cutest little thing at five years old. And so my older cousin and my older brother, they were picking on me and they told the little girl, hey, you know, Stephen likes you. And I remember she was hanging out of her, the window of her house and she heard them say that and she turned and she looked at me and she said, ugh, he's ugly. And I, listen, that never left me. Wow. That never left me. How old were you? I was about five or six years old. Wow. And so that became a filter through which everything that I experienced and I heard was processed through. Mm. And so um, no matter what was going on, no matter what people said about me or whatnot, I had these filters on that said, nah, I'm really not, I'm not a, a likable person. I'm not an attractive person. I'm not a desirable person. And so I'm not, I'm never able to hear what someone is really saying Mm -hmm. because I've already chosen to believe a list of things about myself. So again, what you're saying is we all listen with filters based on the truths that we already believe about ourselves. Not necessarily truths. Okay. Some of the things that we're listening to are complete utter lies. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Lies. They're, they're absolutely false, yeah. but because we've chosen to believe them, because mm, we've accepted mm. them, they have a profound impact Ooh, on us. Listen, and we can get so comfortable with the lies that when someone does tell us the truth, we don't want to hear it, you know? Mm. Um, and, that, you know, that's something I can say that is very diff- it's difficult when you feel something about yourself. When someone comes and says, oh, you're so pretty. If you don't feel pretty, it's hard to accept it. Or oh, you're so smart. Oh, no, I'm not really that smart. I, you know, you can battle with that thing. And there are people who go through relationships and they get so frustrated. They're like, I can't even give a compliment, you know, to this person. Because they're always talking about, oh, I'm not smart enough. Oh, that didn't taste good. Oh, you don't have to say that. And that can wear you out, you know. A mm-hmm. person who's trying to be, you know, trying to share things. And so, man, it, that those filters are powerful. Yeah, they are. They're they're powerful and they're profound. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a, another thing that adds power to them is the fact that we don't know that they exist. Ooh, so true. We don't even know that they're there. We don't even realize what we're doing. We've been doing it for so long mm-hmm. that we can't separate self-talk from truth talk. Mm. And, um, and and it becomes um, it becomes 
subversive mm. to a healthy marriage relationship mm -hmm. because I'm believing a list of things about myself that may not be true. And um, I'm never listening to what you have to tell me about myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so it it is a um, it's a debilitating thing. And I think it ultimately undermines true communication. Now, Tamara, why do we we, we share this with couples? What is the, the, the overall focus or the purpose? Somebody might be listening to what we're saying. Ah, oh, yeah. Communication, communication, nation, whatever. What, <laughs> what is the what's the what's the real purpose or the goal of having healthy communication? Healthy communication is the foundation, literally, I believe, for having a healthy relationship. And in order for us to be able to get to the goal of where we're going, right? Mm-hmm. Which is intimacy. Mm-hmm. Bad communication always interrupts healthy, good intimacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So by intimacy, what are we what are we talking about? What does intimacy mean? Well, I think uh, from initially when people hear the word intimacy, they think about sex. Mm -hmm. I think for many people. But intimacy starts way before sex even happens. Mm -hmm. I believe that. Yeah. So there's intimacy. There's there's this. It begins before sex. But yes. in a healthy marriage, it, it can lead to it. Yeah. Should lead should. to it. Should. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So um, intimacy, togetherness. Um, it, it, it's to share the innermost parts of, yeah. of oneself. Yeah. And, uh, this is fascinating. We, and, and there's no, I don't know that there are absolutes, but we can generalize a little bit. Um, women tend to connect on an emotional level mm -hmm. and experience intimacy, um, emotional intimacy, which is perhaps, um, the deepest level of intimacy for women. Yeah. Whereas men a sexual level mm -hmm. is probably the deepest level of intimacy. Now, again, we're, we understand that there are many people who could listen to this and say, well, I'm not like that. So we're not saying this is across the board. Right. But we're talking about generally. Just right? generalization. There are always exceptions. Right. But generally, that is the case. Right. Yeah. And so um, just just that fact right there, mm -hmm. you know, a woman may say, I want to talk. And the man says, yeah, we can talk after we have sex. And woman's right. like, I can't have sex with you unless I talk, get, get this all. I got to get this off my chest. I need to talk about this. Right, right. <laughs> and so um, communication leading to good intimacy is profound because um, it's not just the it's not just the bodies that have to connect. Yeah. But it's the hearts, the minds, the emotions, Ooh. the intel intellect that need to connect as well. And when there's a connection there, then it leads to a deeper experience on the physical on the physical level and so uh to my to my to the men who listen to this if you're married connect and communicate so that you can have emotional intellectual spiritual even intimacy and your physical intimacy intimacy will be that much better but if you try to leave those things out then your physical intimacy is not going to be uh, shall we say what god intended it to be and listen, you said something so powerful, and I want to share this particular aspect with married and unmarried people. And it's so important, especially for women, because women are emotional creatures, right? And when we sleep with someone, when we have sex with someone, we give everything, right? We give the physical. And again, there are exceptions. I understand that there are some women out there who can go from person to person to person, and they seem as though they're okay, right? But generally, when women give themselves physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever to someone... 
it is it is a forever connection. You know what I'm saying? And I, I remember years ago, I remember listening to many people probably have heard this thing, No More Sheets, right? I remember uh, this lady named Juanita Bynum have, did this thing years ago. And I remember I attended one of her meetings and she talked about this and she was talking about how every time you lay down with somebody and you give yourself physically, you're leaving a piece of yourself there with them. Now imagine if you have done that one time, two times, three times, and it just continues to go on and on and on. And so when you actually really do get to have a relationship, I come and we get ready to be married, right? This is the forever relationship because that's what marriage is. And we're going to talk about that on another episode about how people feel about marriage. Uh, the sham of, of the idea that marriage is not important, you know. But getting back to the fact that now imagine me and you getting ready to be married, right? And have this forever relationship. And I have all these pieces of me around town or around whatever, you know. And now I want to try to connect with you wholly. And it just seems like it just can't happen. It's because I haven't reconciled the fact that there are pieces of me everywhere, you know, that I'm broken in that in that particular instance. But praise be to God that he can heal that. Right. And he can restore Wholeness us. Is possible. Wholeness is possible. But that 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 right there is very it's a very important thing to consider. And I think it's, um, you know, one of the important things is patterns. Mm. Also, if I've been in the process of. And I'm not going to say that every every woman who's sleeping around or even men who and are men, sleeping around. And men, it can happen to men too. That they're doing it just because, right. again, this generalizations. Mm -hmm. But let's say that some have emotionally connected mm -hmm. and experienced intimacy or what they thought was real deep intimacy. And it led to sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, and obviously they're, they're not married. They've moved on and they're in another relationship so you have disappointment after disappointment, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment so then where is your where's your belief that you can really and truly experience an intimacy that is legitimate that's yeah. authentic that is long lasting and every one of these relationships that one enters into mm -hmm. it makes it more difficult to enter into the genuine the legitimate yes. the authentic relationship because of a lack of trust yes because i want to protect myself because i've been hurt before so many times i don't want to be taken advantage of mm -hmm. and so um communication is is a key but it is also something that you know we don't need to share the deepest parts of ourselves absolutely with just anyone. anybody some of us are like that you know there are people who wear their experiences and their emotions on their sleeve you know um you i i think i did a, a youtube uh, video about that some time ago where as women we have to be careful men as well you know that there are people who actually roam around and they are looking for brokenness they're looking for broken men and women who um have this going on and it's so visible you know what i'm saying we're wearing it like we wear clothes or cologne you know they can sniff us from a mile away and so we have to be careful that just because someone comes up to us and asks us our name and then you begin to spill your guts about you know everything that's going on in your life that's not healthy you know and even if you you may say well i don't do that you know i've known people we're friends and you know so forth and so on and it's just like you have to be careful there are some people who don't deserve to know those things, you know, that are intimate and that are deep about you unless they are willing to commit. And I've said this before, commitment is so much more than just sleeping with you. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Or living with or you. Or living with you, you know. Giving you a little money. You know what I'm saying? Listen. Paying your car note. Listen. Mm -hmm. Tell the truth. Now, we've been, we've been talking, a, a, <clears throat> I think we've been talking a lot about some of the negative aspects of communication. And when we were 
trying to pull our little notes together for this. We wanted to do that because we realized that so many people have a, a bad concept of communication yeah. because they've never actually experienced you know, authentic or, seen it done, right. or uh, good communication. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, cussing each other out, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the norm. Or leaving. Right. That That's not something that is, that's healthy. Mm-hmm. But um, we did want to, we do want to get to, mm-hmm. and we're probably going to have to do a, another part to this, yeah. sharing some, some, uh, some positive things that you can utilize mm-hmm. in terms of, um, in terms of having healthy communication. One of them is reflective listening. Oh, yes. And reflective listening is when, obviously, the listener is reflecting what um, he or she is hearing. Now, understand, if you're going to listen, it means that you have to try, by the grace (laughs) of God, to take your filters off. It's literally like having a a pair of earmuffs on or noise-canceling headphones and just sitting there as the other person is talking. Mm -hmm. your head. Mm-hmm. You ain't heard a thing they said, right? Right. So you have to take the earmuffs or the noise-canceling headphones off, and you have to listen. Hone in. Right. And you, we don't listen. We don't listen defensively. And that defensive listening, it comes from some of the filters. Yeah. So if you're listening defensive, ready to, you know, come and explain yourself or mm-hmm. help them to understand, if that's the way you're listening, then it's evidence that you haven't you're taken. Really listening you yet. haven't taken the filters off yet. But when we when we come to listen, we want to we want to pay attention to what another person is saying. Mm-hmm. We also want to pay attention to body language. Again, we're talking about being interpreters, and we also want to listen beyond beyond what a person says. Now, yeah. please don't 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 run a marathon with this, but please understand <laughs> what we're saying here. We're not talking about doing interpretation in a negative sense. Right. And the reason why we we turn this or this is called, we didn't make this up, by the way. The reason why we call this reflective listening is because I reflect and I give the other person an opportunity mm-hmm. to say, yes, that's what I mean, or no, that's not exactly mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So Tamara would, she may say something to me in terms of how she's feeling or describe an experience that she's had. And I say, man, sweetheart, it sounds to me like you're extremely frustrated mm-hmm. because of X, Y, and Z. Is that is that how you feel? No, it ain't how I feel. No. <laughs> right. And so in that case, then we need to go back. Well, explain to me. What is it? What is it exactly you're feeling? And then she will try to explain it more. And then I will, I'll, you know, again, interject yeah. gently and say, okay, so, well, it wasn't frustration. So you actually, is it anger that you're feeling? Well, maybe. Right. And so when we get there, now she validates, yes, that's it. You got it. You put your finger on it. Now she knows not only that I hear the experience that she described, mm-hmm. but I heard something else. I heard her heart. And the interesting thing about that process is we always believe that we're clear. We always believe that we mm. are saying exactly what we think and exactly yeah. how we feel and the other person should get it. But while you're asking me questions, it's causing me to reflect. It's mm-hmm. causing me to think about what's coming out of my mouth versus what is actually in my heart. And sometimes the two don't match. And it sounds confusing, but it happens a lot that sometimes, you know, they, you know, the, the actions, right. Don't equal up with what's in the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that person. I'm not angry. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Uh, right. Right. And so, uh, <laughs> so what we want, what we want to do is we want, um, words 
and emotions to be able to mesh. And so when if you just think about that process, it's going to take it takes effort yes. on the part of the person that's listening yes. to be able to process mm-hmm. and to be able to rightly receive what the other person that's speaking is trying to share with you. And there's nothing like when a person feels like they've been understood. Yeah. That's that connection that we're talking about, that communication brings about when a husband or wife feels that, yes, I've not only shared my heart, but it's also been received. It's been understood. The thing that's also dangerous about that is this. And people wonder how is it that infidelity and all of these other things can creep mm. in. It's because there's always somebody who's willing to listen because mm. they have a creepy end. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You, you wonder like, man, someone so cheated with somebody at work or, you know, how did this happen? I don't understand how I was just telling them, you know, t- she listens to me. He listens to me. And it's just like, man, listen, come on now. Right. You know, at home, we got to work on that. An emotional connection that that uh, produced an intimate experience. Yes, with the wrong person. Right, with a person that's not your husband, a person that's not your wife. Yes, yes. Yeah, those things are deadly and dangerous. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, we've got plenty more solutions. Oh, yes. Uh, Join us next time and we'll continue to share. Hopefully this has been helpful to you. Please, we want to hear your feedback. If uh, if this has been uh, edifying to you, share that. If you have questions based on anything that you hear, Please, uh, please share those questions. We don't have all the answers, but we'll try to see what we can do. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week at The Well. Remember to join us next week as we'll continue in the second part of this thing called communication, okay? And uh, again, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. And remember, above all things, you are loved.